You're listening to the ELA OK Podcast on your plane. I really wish I could just like hold it up and be like... So tomorrow, <laughs> so tomorrow I'll just send you like a bitmoji to Please like do. say, what do you think I'm thinking right now? Here's my reaction gift. Here's my bitmoji. Oh, you need to like... You need to, I don't know. If you share that, pull the mic out so you can like talk into it, but... All right. <laughs> See, a face like that. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, welcome to the podcast. It's <laughs> Podcast on Your Plan. I am your friendly neighborhood director of secondary English language arts at the Office of Curriculum Instruction in the Oklahoma State Department of Education, Josh Flores. And I'm joined here. Yeah. I'm joined here, getting heckled over here on the sidelines, <laughs> um, by my former friend. <laughs> Until I found out she doesn't like teaching the giver. Oh, my God. <laughs> you, can't drop, you cannot say my name now because I'm going to have, like, hate mail sit my way. I mean, that, maybe. Yeah, maybe. You I might be kicked out of... Ugh. You might get kicked out of the English teacher club. Oh, gosh. But, but I'm joined here by some friends, some teachers who are helping our state put together performance-level descriptors aligned to our standards that will be used to set cut scores in the fall, I believe. Was it the fall? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. But it was a lot of hard work, and so now we're debriefing afterwards, but... Not about that. I just want to debrief about the status quo of education and talk about all that professional stuff and maybe solve all the world's problems in education right here at this table. But there's a lot of you, so can we just go around and just introduce ourselves? Starting with Cody. Oh. <laughs> My name's Cody Hookstra. Uh, I teach sixth grade social studies in Woodward, Oklahoma. Welcome. And he likes long walks on the beach. You should add. I don't know. <laughs> you like threw them off there. Great I job. Know, that was my job. That's what I'm doing. Um, I'm Amber Donaldson, and I teach uh, seventh grade ELA at Woodward. And you've been on the podcast before. I've been on podcasts before. Yeah, veteran. But, veteran. Mm, the last time was a surprise attack, so at least this time I knew it was coming. So Was it a surprise good. attack? I, yes. No, it was not a surprise yes, attack. Yes, it was, because you were like, hey, come here. And you knew. No. Well, I, I knew it everybody. was happening, but I was sitting a long way away on purpose. And okay. then you're like, come here, i got to ask you a question. Well, of course. Like, yeah. Okay, Amber's been on the previous episode where we were with the Curriculum Frameworks writing team. She worked with us last summer. Hopefully she'll work with us again. I already sent my stuff. This is on you good. now, not me. Oh, i got to check my email. Uh, all right. <laughs> come on. <laughs> I'm Carrie Boyd. I teach sixth grade ELA at Bing. And I can't believe that you knew this was happening and didn't oh. tell us. Hey, we're going to podcast today. Come join us, guys. <laughs> <laughs> And now they're here. This is why. They're here. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay, I'm Karen Clay, and I teach at Wilmerton. I teach actually the 7th and 8th grade ELA. I also teach um, an ACE class and then two advanced classes also. Fantastic. And that's it. <laughs> that's all that's here. You're going to be on the podcast. So thank you for being here and uh, open up the conversation. Had fun today? Yes. It was brain. It was nerd brain fun. Very I thought it interesting. Was nerd brain fun. It was interesting. It was tough to look at the standards and consolidate them and kind of group them into limited knowledge, proficient, and advanced. But I enjoyed the conversation. It's always good, refreshing for me uh, as a State Department person to actually see and listen to feedback from teachers on like, well, how would this be taught, and what does this look like at that specific grade level. And so it was great, and I look forward to doing it the next two days. I'm sure y'all are really pumped about it. <laughs> no, it'll be good. It, yeah. And it's important for us to be able to do those things, because if we don't, as teachers, don't have some ownership of it, 
then it's kind of left up to you guys. And then, I mean, we know how out of touch you are with the classroom, so. Right? Like, what's a student? Like, I, I know. Don't know <laughs> <laughs> we but, truly do need the input of teachers to, like, build that knowledge base and capacity to kind of lead the direction and drive it. I know. Because it's been teacher input the entire time. The standards were teacher input. They were built by the teachers, along with, obviously, experts in the field. But, um teachers helped do that they did you know item specs and passage picks and all that so i mean it makes sense that they keep going with that because they have buy-in yes and that buy-in is so important especially when you're implementing yet more change i'm hoping we're going to slow down and we just keep our standards for longer than two years (laughs) and so then we can have some consistency in our assessments and accountability measures like that's what i'm excited about i've been doing a lot of studying and research about implementing change and how to make it successful and I think this is one component of it doing that work but with that let's switch gears here why don't you like the giver <laughs> who doesn't like the giver uh, it's there I think they're better novels it's not that I don't like it I just uh, think there are better novels uh, I just I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my friend over here I'm not gonna name drop that <laughs> says the innuendos are a little much for like your I mean middle school kids it's a, it's a, I don't want to explain why he's dreaming in color and I don't want to do that <laughs> see you're uncomfortable right now Someone he's blushing he's blushing right now but also too though like with mine since I teach it with the ace class they cannot comprehend what what's really going on right they don't they, understand they, yeah yes so it is it's a, like you say it is a good book to teach but um, it's just not I don't know on the ace class it's really not middle school level. And I think part of it is, I mean, it, it is a good book. Like, I don't want to take away from that. But <laughs> but I just, I, I did it with sixth graders last year. And it was either they don't get the innuendos and they don't get what's happening. Or you have to explain it. And either exactly. one takes away from, like, the kind experience of, the experience of reading experience the book. Of, yeah, yeah, exactly. The colors, they don't get that. I mean, that's a whole thing you have to explain. And I'm okay with explaining it. But some of that you just kind of have to feel and go with. And uh, just better ones. We can bring up the stirrings. Yes. Like and that one, too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Seventh grade boy. Oh, this, I forget about the stirrings. <laughs> this is what, yeah, that's what I thought. That, yeah, I guess that would be... What grade did you teach it with? I, I, oh, I didn't get yeah. it. oh, you didn't, you didn't teach, teach it. it. There but I would. I loved it as reading, but yeah, I didn't get to teach that one. I did observe and did my internship teaching it back way ooh, long ago. But, uh, Okay, fine. I guess I can understand because I recently uh, read a series, a young adult novel series called Shatter Me. I've read those. Okay, yeah. I would never teach that to a bunch of like kids. No, I've only read the first one. Um, That's and enough. It's, it's right? yeah. Right? Yeah. I read there is, all three. Mm-hmm. I have, and I, I under, from my understanding is the second and third are much more like, very heavy with like sexual innuendos and like it is explicit. I don't even yeah. think it's innuendo. Well, yeah, it's but not innuendo. yeah. <laughs> it's <not innuendo. laughs> you know who the guy, the the, the the author of that? You know who her husband is? Uh, yeah, he wrote what this is. The one that I'm gonna. Yeah, he wrote. Yeah, Ransom Riggs is his uh, yeah, is yeah, her yeah. her husband, and yeah. he's just like raves and raves about her books. And I'm like, that is about as polar opposite as you can get. Like from Shatter Me to Miss Peregrine's, I'm like, it's an interesting. Seems that way. Anyone else read it? 
No. Okay, I recommend it, but I'm, I'm intrigued. intrigued. It I would never read it with, like, I would feel so uncomfortable. And it's almost one you don't want to necessarily have in your library. I mean, it's just, because it, if a parent oh, happened to read, walk by, yeah, yeah, it's a little... I mean, it's good. Don't get me wrong. It is. I mean, it's like, uh, it'd be dystopian. It reminds me of, like, X-Men, which, you know, X-Men is, like, the whole reason I became a teacher. <laughs> I mean, X-Men, <laughs> so it's like, X-Men, everyone's like, X-Men. How dare you laugh? <laughs> but... But it is, it's a good book. I just, I, I could not go through those things. I will so tell you, the, my, the, one of my favorite things about that book is the vocabulary. Those words are so big and make you think. Like, I had to go look words up and, you know. See, mine was the syntax, the word choice and how it's put together. But I also think that's where a lot of that tension was built. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how did you read that? I'm saying, I'm just curious on why you read uh, that series. Because I went to, <laughs> awesome. Sorry, my fried green beans came in. That's my favorite thing Oh, shout out to McNally's. Thank you. Um, <laughs> the, uh, you know, I go to NCTE. I was fortunate enough to go and present this year. And every time I go to NCTE, the National Conference on Teachers of English, I always get pumped and I realize I do not read enough fiction in my life. I, read, I always read a lot of nonfiction books for the profession. Uh, not because it's like I feel like it's a requirement or anything, but because I genuinely enjoy that. But I felt like I need to diversify. So I asked around. I went and I did a... The podcast actually with the I think current president of Allen, the kind of young adult club, sub club of NCTE, and I was asking his people like, what's a good fiction book I should start out with so I could be more in touch with the kids? And they referred me to this, <laughs> and I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> kids these days, <laughs> right? <laughs> but it was a good book. I, I would teach it, but it was a good book. <laughs> I would no, I would definitely wouldn't teach it. It's uh, it's a lot. All of that to say, I think the giver is so rated G, but I understand. <laughs> yeah. I understand, right? And I, I mean, really, I have kids. They struggled to get into it for it wasn't it wasn't exciting enough for them because of what they're what the my, giver. Yeah, because what they're reading now, they were just like. They, I mean, like, it didn't have, it's not thick enough, like, literally the book is not thick enough for them to get into the characters and stuff, and they just were like, okay, it's over. I just, not, I know, I know, I know, it's sacrilegious, I'm sorry. Okay, so I mean, from the get-go, so many questions come to your head, you just want to know. Taught, maybe I taught it with the wrong grade, I don't know. You know, maybe that's part of the frustration, because, like, a book like The Giver, it does leave a lot up to you having to decide and determine, which I guess for, like, some is frustrating. Like, I've always, mm-hmm. you know, I've always related it to an AP curriculum. Like, I think when it's taught appropriately, it should have no right or wrong answer, essentially. But I find that my students that were always labeled AP and gifted, they would struggle with it because they want the right answer for the most part. But my students that are labeled like on level or struggling, they're the ones I have the most intense discussions with because they're constantly questioning the validity of everything. And it's not just black and white. They're into that gray area. And that's where the great conversations mm-hmm. come in. Love it. Hey, Cody, if you want one of these green beans, I see you looking at it. Anybody else want green beans? Want to try it? Okay. It's their favorite thing ever. Like, give me a vegetable fry. I love it. Um, just saying. <laughs> well said. So this is a good topic, though. So yours is the giver. Mm-hmm. What is a book you aren't so thrilled about teaching in your curriculum? Well, I, I would say I was going to teach the sequel to The Outsiders to my students, and um, it's called That Was Then, This Is Now, and uh, that's kind of controversial. I know that the principal that I had would not let me teach it. So. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. But do you 
would you like to teach it? Uh, I probably would, but I would have to explain some things. Mm-hmm. But uh, and some of that's because of the antiquated language that's in it. Well, mine would have to be hatchet. I like hatchet, but we've done it so much that oh, I feel no. like I'm losing my passion and excitement about it, and so the, the kids aren't picking up on it like they were okay. in the past. Okay, so but, you're like it's been done. It's been done. Okay. Time to move on to something. Question new. though, do you do it by audio? class. Okay. So I do all mine audio, everything. Even in the advanced class, everything's audio. And I love the book. I just didn't feel like it's time for me to move on to another book so that I can... You show the movie? Mm-hmm. You know, that's an important aspect to, uh, I think, keep in mind. Um, you know, I'm not all about totally overhauling the curriculum year to year, but we do deserve refreshers, not only for our students, because, you know, their interests could shift. But, like, you as the teacher need to stay actually engaged in the content as well. So it's always worthwhile to, like, explore whether some other really high-quality stuff out there. I mean, I I personally don't think I'd ever get tired of Hatchet, but that's just (laughs) (laughs) me. so biased. But I will put this out there. I think um, the two books that I think are great but I don't get excited about teaching are, one, House on Mango Street. Oh, good. I'm glad you're not, like, attacking. And... Not yet. To kill a mockingbird. <gasps> what? Everybody just like. <laughs> the classic? Okay, the reason that I have a problem with that is because I don't get to teach it. I've, never, I've taught it when I student taught, I did it, and that was it because I have, that was the only time I ever did high school, and mm-hmm. I would just. Oh. <laughs> my heart hurts right now. Um, because it's not even about the humor. Like, yeah. I yeah. Get, I get and that's probably what it is, is because you're, it's kind of like, somebody would probably say they hate teaching Romeo and Juliet because they, you know, a freshman English teacher would say that because you have to do it every single year and you don't get, you you kind of fall out of love with it because it's right there every single day. So, oh my gosh. Oh, like teenage drama and love like that is literally right there with you every single day as a ninth grade I mean in high school I mean I graduated in 2003 and I still remember reading and discussing and talking the reason I became a teacher is because of my like English teacher that year when we did Kill a Mockingbird and it was just like oh god this is everything wow that good yeah oh she's phenomenal like yeah that's another good question so the reason I became a teacher is because of uh, my seventh grade teacher Mrs. Wallace, she was the first teacher to ever uh, make my writing just bleed red. Like, she was just like, oh my gosh, where did your grammar come from? You're an animal. <laughs> like, just make me feel so bad. Because up until the seventh grade, I was always uh, told I was such a great writer because of creativity from that standpoint. But no one ever actually taught me the grammar aspects. And I guess it showed. <laughs> but I didn't appreciate how she approached me for it. And I was like, you know, I bet there's a nicer way to do this. And so when I had that, and I thought about, you know, I feel really comfortable in the classroom because my mom is a teacher, I grew up in the classroom, and I thought, you know what, I also want to be an X-Men. Because they're teachers, I want to help students find their superpowers that are unique. I'm like, yes, I'm going to be a teacher someday. And stuck with it. As he's in his X-Man pose. Yeah, with hands Uh, on hips. My... My fist is on my hip. Like, I, mean, I, w- I would just be so, I'd be so happy if we all had like spandex uniforms. As teachers. Like, are you sure? You, are you sure? Think about just, just think about that before you in the front. Yeah, let's like, just go with capes. Well, I mean, you know, 
we don't. You need to say we all need we need superhero bodies with our superhero outfits. Well, it's like how about like Batman, which is kind of like molded. Everything covered. So oh, I'm good. Okay, yep. okay. <laughs> I'm with you on that. I'm just like. <laughs> so judgmental. No, I'm realistic, and I teach middle school. Like this is. Yeah, realistic yeah, superhero costumes in the classroom. Yes. Yeah. That sounds right. I was grammar girl one time for school because we had to do superheroes, and that's what I was. So. Oh, like from the podcast. Yeah. The Grammar Girl podcast? Yeah. This okay. is before I even know who you were. I know. That's... Well, there's a podcast called Grammar Girl. It's fantastic. Okay. No, this was, <laughs> like, no. That was before that, so maybe you got that podcast from me. Or maybe she got the podcast from me. Yes, maybe. Oh, man. You gotta go search her out. Mm-hmm. On the I'm Twitters? Her on the Twitters. <laughs> All right, so why did you become a teacher? Uh, I don't know. It just happened that way. <laughs> really and truly. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, when I, well, I started working as a library assistant, and I was doing everything that the librarian should be doing. And when I was doing the budget, I noticed what she was getting paid, and I thought, oh, well, I can do that and get paid that also. So then I started going to school. That's interesting. So you're like, I can, I can do that. I'm going to take your job. <laughs> Very and awesome. I did go to school to be a librarian. Uh-huh. I did not go to school to be a teacher. So do you ever miss the library setting? Uh, no. I did get to automate our library at Wilberton, though. Very cool. And so, um, you know, I got to do some of that. But um, as far as that, when I did my student teaching, I thought, man, I love this. Mm-hmm. So then I've been teaching. That's awesome. I like this idea that where you're just like this transition between like the goddess of the library and the classroom. You never know. Right. <laughs> it's fantastic. All right. And why did you become a teacher? Miss um, Lillard, first grade. She was amazing. Phenomenal changed my life. She took How? care of us. She loved us. Made us feel like we were one of her kids. I wanted to have that impact on kids, too. Very nice. Okay, so I was down on Mrs. Wallace, but I will say my third grade teacher, Mrs. Chilton, she gave me that kind of same feeling. Mm-hmm. She was the one that encouraged me about my creative writing, but I guess she failed at the grammar part. <laughs> <laughs> Cody, why'd you become a teacher? Um, I... Uh, <laughs> I was in a really busy restaurant business, owning my own business, working all the wrong hours from the rest of my family, and, you know, turned 35 and decided, I'm, what do I have? And I have time, and I have time to spend with my family, and so my mom had been trying to convince me to be a teacher, and I considered it for the last five years, and um, the business that I had was a mobile mobile food and so it, it gets really cold in the winter and every winter business slows down and my mom goes, hey uh, you know you thought about becoming a teacher I have this so one year goes by two years goes by and then the third year I was like hey do you have that paperwork and then before I finished that sentence she, it was in my face and she's like here it is all you have to do is sign this and submit this and, and uh, so I uh, submitted to be Alternatively certified. um, Now my schedule matches my sister's and my mom's schedule, and we spend holidays together for the first time in 13 years. Um, Wait, so are you a a teacher's son? I am. Okay, so we could we have some stories we could share, war stories. Yeah, this bump that. Yeah, like because I'm a teacher's son too, so I bet we could have some comparisons. We could compare, share how, how that like. Yeah. 
made us awesome. Definitely did not like cause any mental damage. Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But why social studies? Um, well, I my undergrad is in mass communications journalism, so I'm certified in journalism, and then I took uh, social studies in uh, government I went with that because it, it, I love to travel, it connected with food, I'm a travel channel junkie. He's a foodie, he's a foodie. Humanity, Mm -hmm. I spent, I spent 10 years behind the bar, I study sociology, like, uh, that's, I think that's probably one of, that's the intelligence that I, that I lean toward. Well, for clarification, which bar? Uh, Bellout Restaurant Brewing Company. Oh, okay. Okay. I was, I was just making sure, like, if you're yeah. one of those, like, lawyer types or, like, oh, no, yeah. something I'm more familiar with. So, okay, <laughs> good deal. No. Good deal. Um, so, y- you were one of those alternative certified teachers, and actually, you were bragging about that earlier today. What were you saying I about was. the alternate teachers that you were with, and you were advocating for them really strong? I am. Um, I one did. Of the good ones, right? He is. Okay. Um, I have, I'm, I was really lucky, because I went into Woodward, which is the first time I've been at a big school. I mean, we got 600 kids, six through eighth grade so for me that's big I only graduated with 130 so this is way bigger than I've ever experienced before and uh, Cody and then Charlie Burns which is one of your favorite people I love it <laughs> big Charlie, <laughs> Charlie. Um, he, th- we uh, actually all came into new teacher orientation together unbeknownst to us we were all going to be best friends um, and when I say alt cert people because they get a bad rap. These two are phenomenal people, like phenomenal people and teachers. And that's, they, oh my gosh. My kids, we have a, um, during Dr. Seuss week or Read Across America week, we have door decorating contest. And I'm uber competitive. Last year I work on my door, I make this Twitter door. It was really awesome. Cody's like, I'm not gonna do a door, it's not a big deal. The next morning, we have a dabbing, hand-drawn cat in a hat on his door, and he wins. Oh no. So that was last year, so all of his sixth graders are my seventh graders now. So this year rolls around, and we're doing our door decorating contest. And I'm like, I'm going to win. And they're like, oh, yeah, because Hookshire beat you last year because his door was so good because he's so good. Let's go to Mr. Hookshire's class. We love Mr. Hookshire. And I was like, oh, guys, I'm here. I'm in front of you. Like, I can hear you. Mm-hmm. I'm right here. All of you. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, they like he's come in my class several times to observe and stuff, and they adore him. Um, and then Charlie's ridiculous. Um, my advocation for alt-start teachers is it is. They get a bad rap because they come in. It seems like there's a revolving door. They come in and they come right back out. Like, they don't like it. That is not the case. They are not all that way. There's some, I mean, probably some of the best teachers in my district are alt-cert teachers because they, they, they know what it's like outside those doors. And when they come in the classroom, they make connections with the kids. And they realize, hey, like, it's authentic. Like, we're making connections with these kids. We are, like, we're giving them something that they're not going to get anywhere else. And it's, it's really, like, seriously, like, I could, I'm, I'm not a sap, but about those two, I definitely can be. Because it's, it made my first year so much better. And my second year, like, we're rolling. Like, we, like, we're, yeah, it's, it's, they're good. They're, I mean, so if you have first year teachers that are alt cert, Make sure they're your people because they can turn out to be like really, really good ones. I know it's a constant conversation topic at the State Department. It's like, how can we better serve and maintain and keep 
these all certified teachers so they don't leave the profession because mm-hmm. it is you know the stewardship of our profession is such an issue in our state right now we want to keep and retain teachers and uh, you know eventually get competitive with the surrounding states but what ideas do you have to what, what should we do moving forward I was Woodward kept I mean, I think they probably kept them because of, I mean, I, I'm going to go out on a limb, but just to say because the connections they made with the other people that they work with. I mean, I, it wouldn't, I don't know that I would have stayed if they wouldn't have been there. I mean, and I'm, they, they make jokes about it all the time. They say hashtag real teacher and they're the hashtag face t- fake teachers. Aww. I know. And I'm like, well, you're almost real teachers. Your certificates are coming sometimes. So, um, but um, I think it's, I think it's support from your, because I think we felt at the very beginning and correct me if I'm wrong, a little unsupported and kind of left to our own where we kind of felt like we were drowning a little bit. And we kind of figured out amongst us that, okay, wait, we're all drowning together, so then we'll be okay. <laughs> and so it's that. It, when we say support, it's literally like coming in and just being like, you're doing a good job. Like, you're okay. Treating Not them like a regular teacher. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I think that's for sure. And just being able to come in and be like, you're doing good. Like, or what do you need to do better? Like, how can I help you? And because some of it is just like, well, they throw us in a classroom and shut the door and be like, well, go teach. Even, I mean, I was a first year teacher at Woodward with, you know, with experience and still felt lost, just as lost as they did. And I think it was, but it got better because of, we had people come in and say, hey, what can we do to help you? Like, how do you, how can we help you be, feel more connected to the school, feel more connected to your kids, to each other, like stuff like that. So, I mean, that's from, from me being first year, like in the same realm as them, that'd be my, I mean, that's what I would say is the support. And I know it's a that catchphrase that we say, but I think that's probably what it would be for me. So building that internal culture. Yeah. yeah. And it has to be a positive culture. Like, let's, like, asterisk that. Positive culture. Positive optimism. We need optimism. Yes. yes. Open it up to the rest of the panel. How can we build and sustain stewardship in our profession? Well, um, like she said, though, I think a lot of that's camaraderie but yeah. amongst the teachers. And it's not just even... Um, you know, even the veteran teachers and, and the teachers that, you know, are not all certified, but all alternative certified. But um, but I, I think if you have the great rapport with, with all of the teachers, then everybody, we all work hand in hand. If we need, it, like, say somebody's running late or something and we need somebody to take a class, it, it's like, yeah, sure, go for it. And um, so we always pitch in. And, and I think that's what it has to be. We have to be similar to a family that, you know, we're all in this together. We're all in this for the, the benefit of the kids, and that's, that's what we're here for. And if you lose that little thought process, the, you know, your goal of that's what you're here for is for the kids, then I, I think you've lost your desire for teaching. And I, I just, that's just the way that it is, and that's why I love the teaching. I've taught elementary. I've subbed at high school forever. And then, uh, then when I went to middle school, it's like, oh, this is this is where I like. So middle school's what I like. I mean, it's that's that's just where my niche is. That's where I'm going to stay. A specific grade or like just all middle? Well, school? I haven't taught sixth grade, but seventh and eighth eighth grade to me is the best. It's never a dull moment. Oh no, kidding! And that's I'm a scary. seventh grade advocate. I'm just like when they get to eighth grade, they've decided that they're like really cool. And they're, like, cooler than I am. But my sevies are still, like, you have someone who's like, you're cool. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you're not tough enough. Exactly. Maybe that's it. <laughs> so we almost got a full school because, like, 
my favorite's ninth grade. So we got seventh, oh, eighth, okay. ninth. We're almost there. I'm sixth, and, and he's sixth. favorite. And that's oh, okay, your favorite. There you okay, there you go. So, we got so six, yeah, seventh, we eight, do. Nine. We have okay, a whole so middle got like a junior high. Yeah, we got a junior high going on. There we go. So what's a specific thing you do at your school to build that camaraderie? Um, I, well, one thing is every day it's like, you know, good morning, how are you this morning? Or And even if they're sitting in their room, it's like, you know, you stick your head in and say, hello, good morning, glad to see you. And, and then the students are the same way too, though. Every time I'll stand outside the door and it's some little something. Oh, I like your shoes. Oh, I like your hair today. It's some little bitty thing. And boy, you'll just see the smile come on their face. And even the kids that I don't have when I meet them in the hall going to get my water, and it's like, uh, oh, good morning. How are you all? And I tell every single one of them, good morning. And now they're they're like, oh, good morning, Miss Clay. So it's they'll try to do it now before I tell them. So it's good. So that's like a really interesting and really easy, it seems like, yeah. step to building and rapport and relationships with students and coworkers. But the fact that you're being specific, yeah. shoes, hair, mm-hmm. new shirt, whatever it is, yep. and like that positive affirmation and the greeting. Yes. We have one little girl that I call her the fashionista. Yeah. And so um, we're, we're getting ready to move out of one house, move it into another. And so um, I had some little scarves and little bows and things. And I said, oh, here. I said, this will be perfect for you. And I've seen her wear them. You know, I mean, she's just, it's, it's just really neat. Anything. Ideas? Building stewardship? Maintaining teachers? How can we keep them in the profession? My building is so good, and I would love to take the credit for it because I'm such an awesome people person and I have superpowers. But I'd have to give a shout-out to our principal, Mr. Kimes. He, in our hallways, he knows and hires people that are going to mesh, not a whole bunch of stubborn people who only see things their way. He just does a really good job of putting our personalities together, making sure they're passionate about their subject. So... Our principal has a lot to do with why our culture is so good in our building. I feel bad for principals because that's like yet another responsibility that I constantly read about that is on them. Like they need to build and lead that culture, especially if they want like that collaboration, like you said, to happen. Yeah, they can't control the teacher's actions. Right. It's like we're adults. But they're going to take the rap for it. And it's hard to like come down on adults like... You know, just act like an adult and collaborate, right? <laughs> yeah. It should be that easy to share. But, I mean, yeah. even I, like, have shared my story of uh, I, I overstepped my boundary as a new teacher because I took, I, well, I didn't take, but I was just asking around, like, how do you teach this? And I found a really cool lesson plan. But it was one of the senior teacher's lesson plans, and I taught it at the freshman level. Got called into the principal's office. I swear I got, I swear, I promise, I got called into the principal's office more times as a teacher than I did as a student ever. I had this, I had an argument, or not an argument, but we had a um, vertical alignment over what novels and short stories were taught because... For some reason, it's really frowned upon in my district to teach the same short story more than once. Like from grade to grade? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So they uh, went through the list, and Lamb to Slaughter came up. I teach Lamb to Slaughter in the seventh grade, and my kids love it because we do this whole, like, <clears throat> we read it, we do all these things, then I do, like, the week before Halloween, we do this. Well, actually, we do the week before Halloween, we do this, like, 
I turn off all the lights. The stuff is like windows are blacked out, which he had to come and do for me because the windows are super tall. Scary music's playing. Like the only light in my classroom is like lamps, and they have to do this like they have these prompts in front of them, and they do like scary stories. And then we go on into like the murder mystery story. Well, the um, sophomore English teacher was like, "Well, we do lamb to slaughter in tenth grade." I was like, okay, good. Well, they're going to know it. <laughs> and that wasn't what she was wanting me to say. And I was like, she was like, well, we are, they already know what happens. And? And we ran into that was because it was an issue on uh, teaching it more than once. And I was like, don't we teach our kids to read things more than once? Isn't that a thing? And anyway, it was it wasn't very it was begrudgingly left to me, and so I got to do Lamb Slaughter again this year, and I was really happy. But it was one of those things that it was like, next time you might play nice. No, that's too. That's easy. I had that, and I was crushed when I found out that my kids were already reading Midsummer Night's Dream in eighth grade. But I was like, oh, well, I'm sorry, I'm wasting your time. I really got to switch my curriculum like now. But I saw it as more like a reflection on on me. I wasn't mad at the teachers because obviously I was making the mistakes by teaching them something they already understood at the eighth grade level. So I needed to think of something harder, but also something that wasn't Romeo and Juliet because I feel like it's been that. Like, and plus in the high school level, they get all the Shakespeare tragedies. I wanted them to get one of the Shakespeare comedies. comedies. So how about Taming of the Shrew? That's pretty funny. I think. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, if you were successfully teaching it at the middle school, there is definitely, I think, an argument to be made that you could reread it and get something different out of it if it's quality text, which that one is. Mm-hmm. But, hey, well, because to me, if you're you teaching don't it better to... than me, then, like... I mean, my thought is, is I mean, I, I re- we read it on a seventh grade level, and we, like, we write about it on a seventh grade level. It's like, they, you don't have to backtrack and explain the whole story. They know the story. So then you get to start three steps ahead of where I did and then like really dig in like really write an argumentative essay on you know was she guilty by reason of insanity or was she cold-blooded murder like who was she and why and I mean to me you could just go so much deeper with it because all the backstory has been done all the back work has been done you get to dive into the fun stuff that was that was my thought on it but the way it was presented to me was well we can't do this because you've already they already know what how the ending is and I was like is the ending really the most important part though I mean so well, good for you I wasn't that creative I was just like alright I'm just going to switch the text <laughs> I think it's okay maybe it's not creative maybe it's stubborn but yeah I'll go with you <laughs> sometimes it's okay to be stubborn too right so with that I, I also want to ask because I saw you at a ed camp this past weekend what were your thoughts on that we haven't talked about that yet um, it was good. It was my first one to go to, and um, I had I liked the um, the flexibility of it. That was probably my favorite thing. Is that there was a, I mean, a ton of different things to go to, and you it's not where I mean like if you don't know about it, it's not the sit and get kind. You get to like exchange ideas and go back and forth, and that part of it was really really cool because you feel like you have. Um, I don't know, you feel validated in what you're doing in your classroom because when you hear somebody else say, hey, I was doing this, and then you're kind of doing something like that, you kind of feel validated by it. So that was that was probably the best part about it, that I really liked that. So, Who else has been to an ed camp or went this weekend? I didn't go this weekend, but I've been to one, and okay. I love it. Love yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And we even used it as our school on professional development. That's how we set it up. It was our own school had their own ed camp. And that was really neat. How'd it go? It went really good. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Cody? Uh, I got to go to this last one, um, and it was my first time. And I kind of wish there, there would be one back-to-back because I went through it, and I was like, 
I could have done this. <laughs> I could have done this. Yeah, what did you present at it? Uh, I didn't. I didn't present. Okay, but next time. But next time, yeah. Next for, time. Yeah, for sure. And because the first session went into, and the presenter was like, or you know, quote unquote presenter, she was like, hey, um, I just wanted to ask this question and see people talk about it and I was like I can do that she's like I want to facilitate facilitate a conversation like yes let's facilitate conversations and uh, I think um, to go back to what you were asking before I think that retaining retaining teachers is facilitate facilitating those conversations and using that jargon with especially all all certified teachers the jargon was the biggest hurdle for me and uh I was taking, uh, I'm taking classes uh, in grad school, and so that was my go-to, that was my touchstone to get me through, uh, because I could ask, and I didn't have to feel overwhelmed in that realm, um, but back to EdCamp, like, that format, uh, just, I think, Everybody having their their voices heard and not being being active participants. Yes, yes, because I think that's everybody everybody's goal is to have an individual narrative, and I think that's what teachers give up so many times in the classroom. That's what I've learned. Like uh, teachers give up their individual narrative in lieu of their students' individual narratives, and so they they're there to hear that. Um, but then at the end of the day, they you know they go they go home and their narratives never heard and so I think I think that's what EdCamp does is it, it's like it's it models what a classroom should model is having hard lines on like times and changes and things like that and then it's very loose on the okay let's let's blow up these big ideas and let's let's get into these big ideas I think I mean you touched upon something that's really I think something not done enough is that sharing that narrative I feel like we should all be writing more and sharing that narrative of all the good stuff that happens in the classroom. I think more teachers should be writing op-eds and sharing like their expertise in that way. It's very intimidating, it's scary, but I think it's, as a profession, if we're going to ever um, change the tide, like we need to do more of that. So like that's a really good point. And that's what we ask our students to do. Exactly. It's like, we got to walk the walk, right? Talk yeah. the talk. And what's the best thing you learned from an EdCamp? I just enjoyed hearing how people did what I was doing, but differently. So that, like I said, with the hatchet where I get bored, I can teach the same thing, but different ways. So that's what I enjoyed about it, is hearing everybody's ideas. Because when you're at school, you don't have time to always get out and talk to others and hear their narratives. And you just kind of get stuck in the groove and do it the way you've always done it. Or you even, like, piecemeal it out. You might ask them in passing, but, like, to actually sit down and have a really good discussion about it is really powerful. So what was your favorite part this weekend? Um, This weekend? Um, I... uh, we talked. One of the ones I went to was talking about um, being a non-standard teacher in a standardized world. Um, and I so, like that. I know it was cool. And that was the one that he was talking about with just asking the question. Um, I like the idea to know that I'm not the only one doing different things because sometimes you get that, especially being in a kind of a rural area, you get that feeling that you are you're the you're the you know you're out there by yourself. You know, you're the out you're on an island by yourself doing different things and people in your district and your building whatever may not get that and then 
you're fighting an uphill battle constantly. So to go someplace and be really seriously reinvigorated that there's a whole bunch of other people that believe and feel about education and your classroom and your um, pedagogy that everybody else does is ridiculous like that it's it makes you feel like you're not an outsider and that they're that everyone else is the outsider and that's that's it I mean I'm not saying that any, that's the, the way you want to be but it makes you feel invigorated that you're doing a good thing and a big thing and that's I like that a lot because there was a lot of conversation had that day about <clears throat> people doing things differently and being very very successful and they were we were talking about tools to make it work and that was the cool thing. Was the the takeaway there was here's how you explain things to other people on why you're doing something different and why you're you know your classroom's full of PVC pipe or you've got a timeline <laughs> hanging from one end of the room to the other or whatever it is. If you can back that up and explain it to somebody, you know, I how are they gonna how are they gonna argue with you on that? Yeah, especially that if was, you give the idea to someone else and they steal it, run with it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll give a shout out real quick to the next Ed Camp. It's an Ed Camp exclusively for administrators on March 25th. There's an administrator you love. Send them that way. Where's it at? You need to tell them. No, let me pull my phone back out. I, was looking, <laughs> I posted it in our ELAOK Facebook group. Uh, oh, Cimarron Middle School, Edmond. I like that school. I've been there before. <laughs> really cool library. Speaking yep. of librarians. <laughs> so... And, oh man, so many things I also wanted to get to, but we are like right on the cusp. We have to make this, you know, in the time limit you could listen to. Bye. See you later. In a, oh, oh, say goodbye, Cody. Goodbye, guys. <laughs> Thank you. Last words of wisdom? Um, be brave. <laughs> nice. <laughs> also one of my favorite Pixar movies. Uh, brave. Brave. So... Thanks. We're like right at 40 minutes. It's uh, That's an, um, enough planning time. Because it's podcast on your plan. Get it? Yeah. It's yeah. That yeah. Time. So any last thoughts? No. We're good. We solved everything. We did. We did. Everything on the list. We solved. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> if not, I'll see you all again tomorrow. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I can convince anyone to come back with me. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and until next time, take care of yourself, take care of your students, and take care of your